you know, this is pretty much this is pretty much how my life was before. Is I love <laughs> hanging out with my cats in my apartment and reading and watching stuff. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into this. Okay. Welcome to Batman in Quarantine, episode number three, where we're going to talk about Batman 656. But before we jump into that, I am Jeff, and joining me today, one of my favorite people in all the land who uh, is originally the person that hired me at the comics place. He's been working there forever. Um, he's the the elder spirit of comics himself, one of my best friends in the world, Roman Statler. Thank you for joining me. Hi everybody! Thank you for having me. Um, that, that's, that, that's a thank you. That was a great introduction. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> I am <Thank> stupendous. <laughs> yes. Um, but before we go into our recap of Batman six fifty six here, Roman, can you tell me about? Um, I guess your relationship with this Batman run, like you were working at the shop when it came out. This was in August of two thousand six. Man, you know, Jeff, I totally screwed up. I read, I read Superman six fifty six. Oh, was it good? <laughs> yeah, 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 it was great. Um, no, oh, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> no yeah, I, yeah, I read these, and this is such a cool project you're doing because, like, for me, I haven't read these since they were coming out as the issues. So it's been so long. I, I was reading these and going, you know, this is like a whole new comic for me because I don't remember a lot of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. Um... It seems to be the boat we're all in. Like, uh, to spoil it, I, I do know that you're an enormous Grant Morrison fan, and yep. your enthusiasm for Grant Morrison is, is one of the things that sort of ushered me into my deep enthusiasm for him, Justin as well. Um, and Django is not a particularly huge uh, fan of Grant Morrison. That is a, a crew of people that all work at the store I've just mentioned, and will all be on this podcast at various times. But it all of even Django included we've all only read this once and it was a long time ago so it is this kind of huge epic run that lives in your mind for a long time but because of how large it is it it feels almost intimidating to kind of go back in and and read because there are parts that are kind of slow and and great or not great like it it is a varied road this comic book so were you like do you remember the lead up to it do you remember like being excited about it or hearing about it or had they been publicizing it pretty large you know i don't remember if they were i think they i assume they were i remember i was excited about it and not at at that point i wasn't even a big grant morrison fan as i am now Mm -hmm. so it was more the fact they were they were advertising something like ninja man bats i was like wow, that sounds crazy. That's like <laughs> some kind of crazy James Bond in the Batman universe type of thing. Um, yeah. so I was excited about that. It just sounded wild. So I was excited about that. You know what I was really interested in is that um, I'm going to toss this little context out to everybody before we get too far into it. But um, this issue came out on August 23rd, 2006. So a couple other things that came out on that same week, mm-hmm. if you had gone to the store to pick up this issue, you would have all seen also seen Kabuki number one by David oh, Mack, which is interesting. series? Probably a second one. It was put out from Marvel. Oh, so yeah. I think that the original Kabuki was put out 
through a different publisher, but it was Marvel's first issue. Um, Walking Dead number 30, which I think is kind of hilarious. Wow. (laughs) The first issue of Brad Meltzer's Justice League of America. And Astonishing X-Men number 14 by Joss Whedon. Wow. Okay. Wow. A lot of good books. Yeah. And then beyond those, we were right sort of in the heart of Civil War at the time. So oh, yeah. the second printing of the first issue of Civil War Frontline came out, a Spider-Man tie-in to it. Um, assuming all of this Diamond publisher info is correct, those are what you would have seen on those weeks, which I think is just like super interesting to think about going into a shop and getting your poll week on a, a given week of the past, you know, 14 years ago at this point. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and what was the month you said? August. August 23rd August. of 2006. Wow. So this started coming out like right before, right before I went into cancer treatment. Okay. For the first time? Yeah. The first time. Wow. So, that, so that's probably, that's I'm sure part of the reason why I don't remember a yeah. lot of this run. <laughs> yeah. Chemo will do some shit to your brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell of a drug. This, um, this is helpful. It's, it's helping like in that third season of um, True Detective. True Detective. It's helping me regain some memories regain oh. my life. Um, do you remember the first Grant Morrison book that you read? Yeah, well, I, oh, well, Animal Man is the first time I remember being aware of his name okay. and how good he was. I think probably the first one I read, if it came out before Animal Man, was that, was it Shaman, that Tales of the Dark Knight series? Oh, Gothic. 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 Yeah. If that came out before Animal Man, that's the first thing I read. And if I'm not mistaken, I do think Arkham Asylum came out before oh. those that one came out in 88 i think yeah okay well okay it's probably that then <laughs> okay i mean yeah I, that, I didn't i would i took me a while to find a copy of arkham asylum like i you know i don't think yeah. i remembered it as being a morrison book as much of just like a random batman book at the time yeah i know when i read it i thought i just thought i was more familiar with the artist and i just thought wow it's this, this weird batman book i didn't know who wrote it so I'm curious, I think at our store and with comics in, in general that I really push is for people to kind of identify writers and artists that they like and then find other books or works that that writer or artist has done based on your um, enthusiasm for the things that you do like. And it is during this run that I kind of realized I really like this guy Morrison's writing style. And between Bendis and Morrison, they're kind of the ones that taught me that you can take these giant myths of comic book characters like Batman who had been coming out for 75 years at the time and you can kind of divide them into runs in which certain writers and artists were on the book. So like Neil Adams or like the Claremont John Byrne stuff for X-Men. And I think it's just a really interesting, a lot of folks will follow Batman comics, you know, and they get all the Batman comics and, and this sort of run is, is what taught, kind of taught me to like identify writers and artists that I like and follow those. And that can be the way that I kind of divide and make sense of these enormous continuities. Yeah. 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 There was some point when I, yeah, when I had to learn to do that too, because you know, got to the point where I can't just buy every single Batman title, <laughs> right. regardless of who the creative team is. No, but Marvel would um, hope that people don't realize that and they keep pumping those, uh, <laughs> yeah. those minis out, but um, okay, well, let's jump into just a little uh, a little brief summary here. This one's a lot easier than the previous issue because it 
picks up where the previous one left off with the cliffhanger of the ninja man bats. And we have uh, Bruce goes to the Action for Africa benefit and a bunch of the ninja man bats show up and fight him. And most of the issue is a fight between Batman and those ninja man bats, except in the end they win and they take him to a sewer in London where he has a discussion with Talia al Ghul. And ultimately, on the final page spread, meets his son, Damien, who says, I imagine you taller. What a, what a little creep. I mean, what a shit. Obviously, obviously he's way taller. He's yeah. an adult. A yeah. Super in shape adult. Um, and what they say in this one is he was raised by the League of Assassins. Um, so I guess it makes sense that he's a little shit, but he, <laughs> yeah, he is, he is, gosh, he is a, a real little shit. So, at the beginning of this issue, um, Bruce meets Jezebel Jet, who is um, from Africa. I can't remember if it said that. I think I was reading that, um, that she is. Yeah, I forget where she's from. I mean, I mean, she's a, where is it? It mentions that she's a uh, running a small African nation. Yeah, where he meets an African princess, Jezebel Jet. So she runs some, some nation within Africa. Yeah. So not off the bat, the most typical Bruce Wayne floozy that like Bruce, you know, will oftentimes find. Yeah, yeah. Though, though still in that tradition of the, you know, alliterative names and, and kind of, but again, a James Bondian type, like female name. Yeah, yeah. Jezebel Jet. you're right. Um, <laughs> alliterative. On the second and third pages of this, when they're walking around the the, the benefit, that's got to be Jack Nicholson, right? Where oh, there's this. some like overly detailed shots of just crowd members, but like yeah, that's the, Jack that Nicholson. Large the middle panel of that page, the guy sipping his drink right at the bottom of that panel. Yeah. Okay, that's I I know I didn't. I bet it is, because I noticed last night when I read this, oh, what's with those eyebrows? Jeez. (laughs) And then I think on the top right page of the following page, I think that's supposed to be Grant behind the the crane machine stuffies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Below that is weird, uh, like a film director who looks like Michael Bay or something. I I feel like it's... That's what I wanted to ask you, because they talk about him being a film director and the way these people, these three people in particular, it's like, are these famous people that I, I'm not cool enough to know who they are? Yeah, they, <laughs> it's, it's a weird instance of like over it, visually, you know, like using references or something. It, it is a bizarre like, OK, I guess we've got Jack Nicholson because he played the Joker at one point. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I love that they're in this um, this giant, I think it's a fundraiser using uh, pop art yeah and probably selling the art too and i love that some of these panels they're they're all comic book panels and some of these i didn't i didn't verify that verify this but i bet some of these panels the sergeant rock panels are probably done by uh kubert's dad joe kubert oh and that that totally makes sense there's one piece in here that shows a wonder woman painting Hmm, yeah. And apparently that is actually an Andy Warhol piece that they put in here. Oh, okay, cool, cool. And all of the art, that, like the pop art that's in there, what is that type of art? Or is there a typical, like a name that that art is associated? It's like all the the dot pitch, like ink things to make it look. Um, I can't think of it now, but yeah, there is this. 
I think there is something more specific than pop art. It's all yeah, in the like pop art category, but yeah. Django that. would know because that's the kind of dumb Django thing <laughs> who also works at our store. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love that because Joe Cooper created or co-created Star Rock. The, the one I didn't understand and I can't find anything online to explain it is the upside down mini Godzilla in the green case. <laughs> yeah, which plays a role several pages later here. Um, yeah, yeah I, I can't understand what that's about. What I do think is interesting is throughout this whole issue, when and this issue is largely a fight scene, but um, one thing in it is that all of the art kind of interacts with what's happening in the comic. So like um, four or five pages later, like there's a scene of Batman punching a, a man bat and then the, the art behind it is a woman saying, ouch. Or um, an instance of like Batman shooting a bat, one of the man bats with his, his uh, you know, wire gun thing. And it's right in front of a painting that says blam. <laughs> so like they're embedding these sound effects from the pop art paintings into the pieces, which to me sounds like a Grant Morrison thing. Like, a, yeah. hey, you should have these in there. Yeah, I, def I definitely think that was Morrison. I mean, and, and some of them, I mean, they're just so well done. There's a panel where the, man, the ninja man bats come flying in and everybody's panicking except Bruce who's just looking up at them, getting ready. But behind Bruce, there's a, a big pop art painting with a, a guy looking horrified going, yikes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that one right there. Yeah, it's it's just a it's a kind of fun meta instance of like classic Grant Morrison. Um, yeah. Can you tell me how you feel about uh, Andy Kubert's art? I mentioned the last episode that I'm not a huge fan of it, but I've read a lot of the reviews of issue of these issues as they were coming out, and it seems like people were more excited about the Kubert art than some of the Morrison writing at the beginning, and hmm. like. I know he's a pretty popular art, artist and it is kind of growing on me, but there's weird instances here where it's just not quite my favorite style of art. Yeah. Um, I, I like him, especially on, I think especially on characters like Batman. I mean, he was perfect. I think he was the artist on a Kazar series that I really liked. And he really looks, it really suits Kazar, somebody in the jungle and everything. Um, and I think it works for like Batman's kind of, primalness and savagery you know i love the way he draws his cape because it's kind of like a norm bray foggle batman yeah cape. you're right actually that's a really good point his his images of batman himself really do harken back to like more bray foggle and like neil adams and like the cape almost has an identity of its own yeah yeah and i'm not as thrilled with his his robins <laughs> right for <laughs> but, sure especially their faces they're they're like Damien looks older in these issues in his introduction than he does later on. Yeah, you're right. That's a really good point. Um, yeah. So as we're moving through this, uh, the bats show up um, because we learned in the previous issue that Kirk Langstrom gave the bat serum to Talia al Ghul, which is how these ninja man bats were created. And they have gone to this exhibit to ultimately capture Bruce Wayne but it is a large fight scene that ensues. Um, Alfred sees in a truck that while well, he's out there reading Artemis Fowl, which <laughs> apparently that's kind of funny because the butler in Artemis Fowl is like a total badass crime fighter, apparently. I haven't read them, but I think it's supposed to be like a, a little kind of meta joke that this butler likes that butler. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he uh, sees 
shit's starting to pop off. So these bats burst in there and um, Alfred runs in with a suitcase and tosses it to Bruce. So Bruce can get, get in his Batman best and engage in this large fight scene. I think it makes sense for this issue to be such a fight issue because the issue before it, I'm not sure if you read uh, 655 as well on top of this one, but it's like a very expositional issue. that is a lot of information and not a lot of action. Yeah, I could see that this is kind of like the like, hey, it's all right. I'm also going to be writing an action adventure comic as well, so don't don't stress because lots of people can dislike Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice it was a nice way of balancing those two issues. Um, the thing that I think is most interesting about this issue is the last couple of pages where he ultimately gets captured by Talia Al Ghul. I like the Batman awareness that. Uh, if these bats wanted him dead, he would already be dead, but they're actually playing a game. So he might as well just let the game go to its end and be captured and, and meet who, who is behind this whole thing. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, Batman intellect. But what I thought was so interesting is that this builds on the uh, son of the demon, like birth of the demon story from the eighties. Yeah, yeah, from I think the mid '80s. Which, when I read this originally, I remember being like, "Well, did that really happen? Like, is did this writer make this up for this story, or did Batman actually have sex with Talia Al Ghul at some point?" And then I tracked down the volume and I had it, and I ultimately ended up giving it to Django actually when I met Django. But in this, uh, Batman refers to like she's like, "Don't you remember that night that we had under the the desert moon above the Tropic of Cancer?" And he's like, well, I remember being drugged senseless and refusing to cooperate in some depraved eugenics experiment. But that is definitely not how it goes down <laughs> right. originally. Right, right. Yeah, and, and birth or son of the demon, whatever it's called. It is son of the demon. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, it was, I don't remember there being anything of that where Batman being drugged other than when they first kidnap him. Because him and Talia have had an on-again, off-again relationship for since sometime in the 70s right um and in that story i remember him totally being like it was a romantic evening on the island and (laughs) there were no drugs involved (laughs) yeah um but so i looked into that a little bit uh and it does say that this issue heavily retcons that original son of the demon story from 87 but um what i thought was interesting is that after the original crisis do you remember what year the original crisis came out um 84 85 okay um so after that one uh where they try to change like post-crisis pre-zero hour they changed things around um and they changed it so that bruce and talia had had consensual sex but she had not um she got pregnant but she like dropped the baby off to a couple and like just they never raise it and then after zero hour denny and o'neill announced that the entire story had just been retconned out of existence and talia had never been pregnant okay even though in kingdom come that character did exist like they they mentioned it's a name of ibn al zufosh okay okay um but then after infinite crisis another like continuity continuity resetting thing in dc that's when grant decided to bring the pregnancy back into main continuity um 
And then the whole like drugging thing, it actually is just that uh, Grant had not reread those issues. So he didn't really remember what had happened. So he just kind of put that in there is what he ultimately, <laughs> he, he said that in, a, in an interview during Wizard Magazine. Um, yeah. But I just think that's so interesting. Like, and that's one of the things I love about comics is like, hey, we've got this story. Oh, wait, we don't like how that's going. Let's pretend it went a different way. Oh, wait, actually, let's just pretend it didn't happen at all. Oh, wait, no, <laughs> never mind. We're bringing it back. Um, so, yeah, I guess when Superboy Prime punches a wall through reality, it resets all sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it resets everything. And I love, and I hadn't realized that, that yeah, just the fact that Bat- Batman has Damien, that Damien exists, ties into Moore's, I mean, I don't know what your pacing is for all this, but so spoiler warning that ties into Morrison's overall purpose with his entire run was that everything, you know, Batman's story, the last 75, what, 80, 77 years now, it all happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Justin and I were touching on that in the very first episode, which, has, which hasn't gone up yet. But um, yeah, like that's kind of the mission statement of this run is how do we make everything that's happened, all these different emotional eras and tones fit within one man's life? Yeah, there's. Um, can we go back for a sec? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Drive this ship. We we done the summary, so yeah, tell point out some stuff that stood out to you. Something that stood out to me that I'd completely forgotten about. There's uh, this one. I wish I had page numbers. Oh wait, yeah, um, page forty-four. Um, at the bottommost panel, it's a memory with Bruce and Dick sitting there being served turkey on Thanksgiving by Aunt Agatha. Yeah. And I had to look that up. I was like, who's Aunt Agatha? I know Aunt Harriet from the TV show was briefly in the comics. And yeah, Aunt Agatha was a real Batman character. She's Bruce's, Bruce's aunt. Yeah. She was in the comics, I guess, for a little while. <laughs> I also had to look that up. And it's a Golden Age continent. And my thought was like, I'm sure Roman remembers that. Um, nope. why, why is that scene there? So, I'm not sure because it doesn't tie into the story at all other than it's the first hint other than that Batman apparently has a son. It's the first hint we have of, um, well, no, the second hint, because if you count the first issue, there's Zern R all over graffiti in the alleyway. Uh-huh. This is like the second hint then visually that all this old Batman continuity, it all, it's all going to play into the story I'm telling. Hmm. So you think that that image is mostly used just as a way of saying that like, Hey, I'm including all moments of continuity in this story. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. And I think it's just a way of of giving the giving the reader a hint that this is this is wider than you expect. <laughs> hmm. Um, and and one thing I'm trying to remind listeners is that we are people who own and run and work at a comic shop, but none of us claim to be scholar experts on this stuff so we're just kind of trying to be enthusiastic uh torchbearers of this run and be asking a lot of questions as I, well i just realized something too i reread the couple panels above that memory the meat and gristle stuff. yeah 600 pounds of meat gristle and hide is what he's referring to as he lassos a, a man bat what does that remind me of and then you get the memory of the turkey it reminds him of agatha's turkey yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's interesting and i guess it it also kind of just uh, kind of pushes this idea that Batman, his memory and his um, memory of self and experience is something he's drawing on all the time because later on in this run, 
how Batman relates to his memory and uses it is a pretty important part, mm-hmm. especially yeah. related to the Zurin R stuff. So I want to, you just touched on it. So in this issue, the graffiti, or sorry, in the previous issue, there's a lot of graffiti that says Zurin R everywhere. Um, is that, is that a phrase that has come up in the past? Yeah. Which I, as I remember the first time I read this series, that first issue, I didn't think to look that up. I thought it was just meaningless graffiti, but uh-huh. yeah, it refers to a, a bat a silver, a silver age sixties Batman story, a science fiction story. Um, okay. So it isn't a made up phrase and it's a phrase no. that comes back and is very important later on, but yeah. um, okay. Wow. I didn't realize, I thought maybe he just made it up and was seeding those things there, but in reality he actually, it's a story. Yeah. 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 Story art from them. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I think it's actually called the Batman of Zuron R. And is is he's wearing the like yellow and purple and red costume in it? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or no, or no, not Batman of Zuron R. Maybe it's Batman of Planet X or something. I, I think it is like Planet X or something like is it? that. Yeah, <laughs> or we'll have to go in and check it out. But yeah, I, I think that that is is something like that. <laughs> yeah, classic stuff. Um, and then yeah, the 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 monster in formaldehyde that looks like Godzilla upside down, ultimately just a thing that Batman falls on and it knocks him unconscious, which is how the old bats are able to take him back to. to Yeah. And I'm really curious if that is also a reference to something, but I couldn't find anything online about it. Um, one, like I love Morrison's writing of like the banter between Bruce and Talia the like mm-hmm. nice underground layer. Does this, you know, your dad get this for your 16th birthday? And she's like 18th, actually. No, wait, you're right. And that's just like, it's a little bit of, it's going the extra mile. She could have been like 18th actually and left it there. But then that like, oh wait, no, she spent an extra second lingering on that to try and remember it. And she then corrected herself. It's, it's like just that little extra bit of humanity that he's able to embed in his characters, I feel yeah yeah <clears throat> and she's always admired that that's why she's always loved him in her twisted ways because he's he's so smart and again it's that memory thing he remembers the date in her life even though she's got it wrong at first and then it's got that very spicy shot of uh a naked batman and a naked talia with batman still got his cowl on we've got to talk about the fact <laughs> that i think even actually i'm not sure if originally he had his cowl on he didn't he took it off when they made oh, he did. it love originally okay. but i love the idea that he's uh he's gonna make love he's gonna have he's gonna have coitus and it's gonna be with a cowl on how do you role play <laughs> if you're used to having a cowl on roll on role play would be like removing the cowl gee do you think do you think he like accidentally left the cowl on and forgot to put something else on instead and that's why he has a son what do you th- oh, oh he left his head cap on and forgot the jimmy cap yeah he got all bat addled <laughs> <laughs> what do you think let's take a moment just to try and talk about what do you think batman's fetish is um boy he's got to have a bunch <laughs> yeah well you think so oh, i yeah. bet it would i bet it could be like it's either totally off the rails, like he wants to be doing the Joker, you know, like someone in Joker makeup, or like his most fetishistic thing would be like just super boring missionary. 
<laughs> nothing weird, nothing far out. Nothing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be aggressive. I want this to be as vanilla as it can possibly be. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, look at gosh. Me. Well, yeah. <laughs> look at me. Know me. Know me. Um, is there anything else in this issue we need to touch on? It's it mostly. I feel like the first issue of this run is pretty important, and the next one is very important. This one really just kind of serves to get us from, you know, Batman in London to meeting Damien. He we do spend some time with Jezebel Jet. I think that's important because she becomes a love interest in this run. Yeah, and it it, it flows so well and. And I have to admit, it really <clears throat> showcases Batman's skills in this. Um, like, uh, there's one panel that surprised me where he he throws like an, uh, I don't know if it's a wooden bar, an iron bar, or whatever. He throws it at one of the ninja man bats. And it's not a sharpened bar. It's blunt on the end. But it he throws it so hard, it pierces the, the man bat's wing and impales it against the Wonder Woman painting. And he already said this thing, these things weigh like 300 pounds. It's like, wow, how strong is Batman that he could do that? Yeah, I loved that shot as well because I just love the idea of like tearing through its wing with just a blunt rod. Yeah, I do was, have to – sorry, please go. Oh, no. I was, it was, there was just a, a description that Morrison gives about um, over my shoulder, the sound of leather-bound Bibles opening and closing. It's the wing beats of the man. I was like, what a great description. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is. There, there's, you know, I sometimes get so rooted in wanting to know the broad strokes of where a story is going that I can kind of take for granted the smaller bits of dialogue. But he really does do a fantastic job. I love the way he's just sort of counting down as he takes each of these initial six bat people out. Yeah. Um, I will have to say that I mentioned in the previous episode, I... For whatever reason, Man Bat is not a character that's super interesting to me. And I, I remember my original read through of this was like, okay, a bunch of ninja Man Bats. I got to get through this. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Roman, clearly a, a fan of a ninja Man Bat. I, I love Man Bat. I, I have the first issue of his short lived series from the 70s. Oh. Just because I, when I was a kid and first saw him, I was like, what? There's like a messed up like where bat creature of batman that's cool and i like the idea of you know a guy that's tragically turned into a monster that can't control himself i, I just i just love yeah that. that's that's true roman's a huge fan of the dr jekyll mr high hulk yep the werewolf morbius werewolf yeah yeah in fact i don't care for the current man bat in dc comics where he's got his full kirk langstrom brain and everything and yeah kind of cute and funny i'm like yeah that's that's blah and I can't remember when Man Bat learned that Bruce was Batman, but it's evident in this run that he does not know. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Yeah. I do. I love, I wish there was more Bruce and Talia stuff like here and in the immediate future, but she's like, I got other stuff I got to go do, which is cool because she ends up coming back later in the run and, and being like what she goes off to do comes back. It's not just sort of shoddy writing of like, all right, I'm dropping off your son and then I got to get out of here. You know, uh, there, there's a reason that she needs him gone and, uh, and it plays in. Yeah. Which is great. Cause yeah, at first it seems like, what, why is she just doing that? <laughs> yeah. He's just tired of, you know, I haven't gotten any child support in the entire first 11 <laughs> years of his life or whatever. However, yeah, you rich bastard. What the exactly. Hell? <laughs> exactly. But, and then she takes off in her cool submarine. <laughs> um, yeah. Roman, do you got anything else for this one? Um, 
No, I don't think so. Nothing. I mean, I love the art, the art gallery setting and flowed well. I'm really glad we're rereading this. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful that you joined me for this one. And I really look forward to having you on future episodes as well. I'll make sure and keep in contact with everybody as to how my pace is. Yeah, I'll, I'll be reading along. Cool. Cool. <laughs> well, hey, um, thank you for joining. Thank you for listening, dear listener. And, uh, and I think, yeah, we're probably going to take this moment to get on out of here. And we'll talk to everybody tomorrow for episode 657. Sweet. Thanks again, Roman, and uh, we'll all see you very soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye.